Thanks for joining us today on the nateholdridge.com podcast. Today, we have a little bit of a longer episode. This conversation went uh, a little bit longer than normal, so we're just going to jump right into it. Today, we're talking about generosity and what generosity really looks like for a Christian. Let's get into it. I was going to try to start off with like some like rap song, like some like cha-ching kind of thing, but I don't think I'm going to do it. You can't do it? Because <laughs> I was just sitting here. We must be synced up because I was sitting here on this side of the table and I was thinking about cream. Cash rules cream. everything oh around me. <laughs> Sorry. That is so awesome. Oh, man. I was just trying to think of like a how to make it sound like a cash register. Cream is way better. That's My favorite so was there was a time where a buddy of mine was getting his chiropractic office mm-hmm. getting going. And uh, when it, early on in, in his practice, he had like a little computer in the room where he would uh, play yeah, yeah. like stream music from throughout mm-hmm. the whole building. And he had, I don't know, he had like the Nora Jones channel on or something. Oh, yeah. And uh, cool and calm. I went over there and put on, I put on cream, you know, <laughs> so when he, when he came in. <laughs> He's like, what happened here? What the? <laughs> I don't know what the rest of the song says, but I just remember that. Oh, I bet the cash rules it. everything around me. Yeah, he <laughs> walked in, was like, oh, this has got to go. That's so funny. It, it's interesting you bring up that song in particular because I, I feel like just personally, like we do live like, in a culture. I mean, we're in California, in the middle of California, near uh, near San Francisco and near San Jose, and there's just a lot of money in this area, mm-hmm. and. I, you know, when I talk to people and uh, when I hear about their concerns, it is a lot about money and finances and about how it, it, it feels like almost if you don't have enough money, you just you are just suffocated, which is interesting because this article that you wrote about um, with generosity, it talks a lot about financial generosity, which is a little uncomfortable for some people to talk about, I think. But um, something really important, I know like on Sundays, um, it's a big part of our worship time is that we we included time to give to the Lord. So maybe we can just kind of start from the top and maybe you can kind of just talk us through what what is financial generosity within the context of maybe um, a Christian who is at a church? Well, I think I think one of the first things to say is uh, to identify the, the discomfort that you're talking about. Right. And the reason why it's uncomfortable is because um to give money is it puts us out yeah you know it totally. makes our lives tangibly more difficult right uh, in order to um, get behind something you know so it's it's definitely of course easy to say like I'm for this cause or I'm all about this movement mm-hmm. um, and it's one thing even to donate some of your time or your, or some of your energy right. to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, it's very easy to give like a, a like or a heart or a retweet <laughs> or something, you know, for a cause that you believe in. Yeah. But to actually invest financially in mm. that thing, um, it it really is a costly, you know, literally mm. endeavor. Yeah. And so that's where the discomfort comes from, man. It's yeah. it's it's purely has to do with the the difficulty that's attached to it, and um, but. You know, as they say, you take a look at where we spend, and you'll figure out what a person's mm, priorities are, true. what their value system is all about. So you're asking the question about uh, generosity in the context of a local church, and so 
there's tithing, which you know people would hold out as the giving of a tenth of your income uh, to the Lord via the means of your local church. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's um, uh, offerings, which we would consider uh, giving to the Lord through your local church beyond mm-hmm. uh, a tithe, right. and perhaps even for like a special cause or a moment or something like that. Uh, and then there's generosity, which encompasses both the tithe, I think, and uh, the uh, offering, but then also could include uh, just personal giving to um, whether it's ministries or causes or individuals that you right. come across, you know, that you just know that you want to be generous to. So uh, if a believer, so I mean, for, for the sake of like the terms that we're talking about, right. if a believer writes a check for uh, to their local church uh, and it amounts to a tenth of their income, we'd call that a tithe. Right. If a believer writes a check to their local church for, um, you know, like a building fund or a missions fund or uh, just over and above uh, and beyond their tithe, we would call that an offering. Mm-hmm. And then if a Christian sees a single mom in the church that's struggling and in need of some help with groceries and they uh, give money to her for that, we would call that uh, generosity. Uh, so, or a gift, or something like that. So, right. I mean, it, these are just the terms that we're going to use as we're talking about it. Is that right. is that kind of what you're yeah, getting that, at? That's totally it. And I'm really glad you said it like that because I think when you kind of clarify what those words mean, it brings a lot of attention to the heart of giving, which is really cool. Kind of with that, I know that in in your article you talked about a couple of New Testament passages that Paul wrote to the Corinthians and Philippians uh, specifically about tithing and giving. And uh, just so we can kind of put some scripture behind those actions, can you kind of talk us through that a little bit? What was Paul talking about to the Corinthians and Philippians? Yeah, well, this first article, you know, and I wrote three about generosity. And Mm -hmm. what I wanted to start with was this first article uh, which gave us the promise of generosity. Right. And I wanted to write that first before looking at the purpose of generosity and then the um, process of generosity, because right. I think it's really right. easy. I mean, even now, we've already kind of been talking a little bit about the process of generosity, you know, it's writing natural, a check yeah. or, you know, things like that. But uh, it's nice to back up beyond just, um, you know, the reason for giving, which is what I wrote the second article about. And to really even go beyond that into thinking about uh, what it does to us, like the promise of what occurs when right. when we give. So that's what I was trying to hit on there in mm. that first article. Um, because, you know, like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, you're uh, concerning, I mean, he said it concerning the giving of alms, and then secondly, prayer, and then thirdly, fasting. Mm-hmm. Of all three of those things, he said, your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. And some versions say openly. But the, so the concept is that there is a blessing that is attached to each one of those elements. So if I were, you know, we've talked about fasting before, you and right. me. Mm-hmm. So if we were to talk about fasting and the reward that's there, we might talk about like um, a deepened uh, self-control over our bodily appetites. We might talk about um, power that Mm -hmm. comes from the Lord, you know, after a time of seeking him and afflicting our souls before him, 
Uh, we might talk about direction from God, you know, different things like that that are attached to. So we'd say that our Father who sees in secret will reward us. Mm. It's it's rewarding in another sense to be a person who fasts. Well, the same can be said uh, there for the first element that Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter 6, that generosity, that giving. Your Father who sees in secret, he will reward you. So that's what I mean by the promise. Let's think about like yeah, what reward. does God... What is what's going to happen to me if I become a person who is this? Well, one of the things that will happen to you is you you will become less dependent upon the dollar mm. and more dependent upon God. Praise God! You know you will have a, a a sense within your heart that God, my provision comes from you, and as this money leaves my bank account and is given to a person in need or is given to my local church in support of the advance of the kingdom and the word of God, and even just the basic essentials that are needed in my local church, mm-hmm. the paying of the water bill and the electricity right. and stuff like that, yeah. things that are not glamorous, um, as I get behind them, God, I'm trusting that you are the one that ultimately provides for me. So there's there's that reward. Mm. Uh, there's the reward of a decrease, I think, of um, selfishness in our hearts, you know, because we live in a materialistic world like we've already been talking about, right, you know, right. and in this materialistic world, generosity is one of the ways that as we give, God gives us a way of escape mm. from that selfishness and that uh, greed and covetousness uh, that can so easily overcome our hearts. So there's a lot of different blessings, and uh, you were you didn't ask me about any of those things. You asked me about no, that's beautiful, the Corinthian though. and the Philippian uh, passages, right? And um, yeah, there's great promises that are held there as well. Uh, to the Philippian church, Paul explained that my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory. And what we can't do is take that verse and just apply it to any old person who names the name of Christ. Uh, Mm. Paul was speaking specifically in that moment to a Philippian church uh, from Macedonia that had financially invested Mm. in his ministry. They had sent an aid package to him while he was in jail uh, that was a financial aid package, and they also gave one of their church members, Epaphroditus, to just serve Paul and just Mm. be with him and kind of be his attendant. So they gave him a staff member, basically, and they gave him... Uh, you know, a financial package to kind of, you know, provide for his needs, uh, to buy and sell, you know, things like that. And in that context, he said, thank you, and my God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. So I think one of the promises that we have is that um, as we are generous, the Lord will, you know, he sees it and he'll provide for us. Mm. And I don't think we should shy away from that because, and, and a reason that we might is because this concept has been so abused mm. in our you know modern yeah, world and culture you know as if to say the reason that you give as a christian is so that as you sow that sow that seed god will bless you abundantly mm. you know in, in order in, in order to become wealthy you know give generously and you know that's not why we do it we right. we do it because we want to be a part of God's kingdom we want to invest in his kingdom we want to be a part of the work and we want to be mm-hmm. obedient to God uh, but this is i think one of the blessings that flows from it is the provision of God on our lives yeah totally i, I agree and i feel like i've actually experienced that just kind of firsthand i'm sure as you have and many other Jesus followers have experienced 
So, man, a ton of promise and great provision from God through the avenue of giving. So that's kind of like the promise that you're talking about. Maybe we can kind of transition into kind of the second article that you wrote about the why. Now we know about the promises of some generosity, but can you kind of talk to us about the the why of generosity? Yeah, well, if you follow you know it out through the book of Acts, uh, some of the things that you see is that generosity is for the local church, and mm-hmm. and not everything you know, like I've said before, not everything it, that is described in the book of Acts is prescribed for modern Christians. Um, You know, there's a reason that the pastoral epistles and and the other epistles were written. Uh, Those are uh, great places for us to go as well to get a description of what the church is supposed to look like, how we're supposed to operate. The book of Acts does give us that example, but it's primarily the record of the rapid advance Mm -hmm. of the gospel throughout the world. Luke is concerned with how did the gospel get to all the world? So he's showing key events that caused it to rapidly expand and grow. Um, so, but some of the things that you see in the early church is you see things like uh, communal living. All right, that. so yeah. that doesn't mean that that's what we're supposed to do, you right. know, in our modern time. But what you're seeing there is that immediately in the church there was a loose hand. Mm-hmm. on possessions and belongings that was beautiful and powerful. Uh, there were those who, early in the church's life, they were donating uh, the proceeds of land sales and home sales even to the local church. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that was like a, a hyper-abundant or a hyper-generous spirit that had come upon yeah. uh, the church. Um and then, I, I mean, I've never even had any land, you know, to, to be able <laughs> to, to give, give yeah. the church. But that's, you know, so that, that was a powerful thing. Mm. Uh, they gave uh, partial proceeds of major transactions. That's another thing that you see. You know, Ananias yeah. and Sapphira help us understand that because uh, Peter tells them, hey, look, you didn't have to give everything. You didn't have to give anything. And if you only wanted to give part of the proceeds of that land sale... That would have been fine. There were some people in the church that were doing that. Their their sin was that they lied to the church and said, we're giving all when they were only giving part. Mm. And so the Lord judged them for that hypocrisy. Uh, they distributed money daily to the widows that were in serious need in the early church there in mm. Jerusalem. So again, uh, descriptive, not necessarily prescriptive. And the church in every era has to take a look at you know, what kind of country are we living in? Right. Is there co- some kind of, I mean, a lot of our like social security and social net kind of systems that we have in various countries are built on some of these principles. But so the early church, that's what they were doing. The, the elders, the leaders, they took a look at things and they said, this is what we need to do. We need to financially provide for the widows uh, within the church. Uh, they had standout members in the church that were known for their charitable deeds. They had uh, they gave, gave fellow uh, believers, uh, gave to them during times of famine or emergency, so they'd send like aid packages uh, right. far away to, to uh, parts of the church that were going to be suffering due to a famine or a difficulty. So, you know, like earthquake aid or something like yeah. that, you know, was a, was a thing that they began to do there in the book of Acts. And then they sent missionaries, you know, they would pray for them, uh, they would financially support them, and then launch them into the world uh, for their work. So, you know, that's a little bit of how things started. 
And then as things continued to develop, the generosity continued uh, for uh, the mission of God. You know, one of my, I, I think one of the most comprehensive passages on this comes from Second um, Corinthians chapter 9. Hmm. Because the Corinthian church, they um, basically, they were bothered that Paul had not received money from them. Because they were kind of used to these like charlatans coming in and, you know, they were impressed with like their big hair and yeah. big clothes and stuff like that. And they loved, yeah. you know, the fact that these guys, you know, they're they're rolling, they're wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what Paul did is he said, look, um, you know, I made a decision not to do that with you guys. I made a decision not to receive compensation from you. But then after saying that, he gave an eight point argument for the fact that he and Barnabas could have oh, done wow. that. Yeah. And uh in they the eight points are soldiers don't do that. Soldiers are mm-hmm. paid for going to war. Uh, number two, farmers uh, are paid for their work on the farm. They eat of the mm-hmm. produce. Uh, number three, shepherds do not tend the flock uh, for for nothing. They they'll drink some of the milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, the law of Moses taught it and and allowed it. You see the priesthood, of course, you know, receiving compensation yeah, uh, for their work. Uh, number five, he said, what are material things in comparison to spiritual things? You know, I'm dishing out spiritual things, and it's a, if, is that really a big deal then if I partake of some of your material things? Mm-hmm. Number six, he said, there's there already have been others who have partaken of this right and you know the corinthians were a good example of that they had given to other people's ministries number seven uh the old testament priesthood got their food from their work you know as they were working they would eat of the sacrifices that came in and then number eight jesus actually commanded it uh, and that's second mm-hmm. corinthians 9 yeah. uh, verse 14 so you know, it's a pretty comprehensive argument that he right, was yeah. uh, giving for it. So, you know, uh, there's no way around it. Part of the reason that we, you know, are ex- express generosity or express giving in the context of the local church is to support the work of the ministry. Mm. You know, Paul said in First um, Timothy chapter five, verse seventeen and eighteen, he talked very plainly about it. He said, you know, the elders who are ruling well. Um, should be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And he talked about, you know, he quoted the scripture that he had quoted in 2 Corinthians 9 as well about the not muzzling the ox when it treads out the grain and that the laborer deserves his wages. So, you know, for for Paul, he's unashamedly, because yeah. it's kind of embarrassing to like even talk about it, you know, just like, oh, we just kind of want to go to church and not really like think about that part <laughs> yeah. of things. Hmm. But he's he is saying, he's like, look, this is, you know, every local church, uh, whether you live in a, in a wealthy town or whether you live in an impoverished town, uh, you know, every local church can kind of take a look at things and go, you know, we could support a pastorate here. Hmm. We could support the work of the Lord here. Now, obviously, the way it's going to look in uh, a place like our town versus uh, places in, uh, you know, third world world countries throughout the world, it's going to look different from place to place. But that local church, according to Paul, 
uh, has maybe responsibility is too strong of a word, mm. but an opportunity. Yeah. I don't think responsibility is too strong of a word. Uh, the responsibility to say, look, we can get behind the work of the Lord. The preaching of the word of God mm. is that important. The pastoral work and missionary work is that important. And, and that's part of the, you know, financial support of the church. It doesn't all obviously go to that. There's so many, you know, right. things that, oh, yeah. you know, the day-to-day operation, you know, totally. of, of a ministry and stuff like that. But that's a really big part of it. It's the, so I'm saying all of these things to talk about the mission of the church. Yeah. And I think part of the reason that I'm talking about that, Riley, is because it's not as tough of a argument or sell for mm-hmm. us in our in the world we live in right now to say and also um people's needs mm-hmm. you know when the, when there's someone who's in a place of need we want to give to that because that is another part of our generosity right but that's an easier one for people in our modern christian world to adopt you know right. show me someone who's in it's need true. yeah and my heart breaks for them and I want to help them. And so it's easier for us to embrace that. But the idea of financially supporting uh, um, the pastoral work of a church mm-hmm. or a staff work of a church and getting behind it in that kind of way, that might be a little bit harder for someone to embrace. Oh, yeah. And so that's I, part of the reason why I wanted to explain that uh, in the article. So when you're talking that through, I kind of think of supporting missionaries and people outside the church as one thing. And then giving and support of the pastorate as kind of another thing. Both are obviously great things to give for. But when I was growing up, I feel like the main thing that I was told was that you had to give because God asks you to. But what do you think? Is there a line between giving for the sake of the gospel outside of the church, for the sake of supporting the people who are pastoring in the church and in honoring God? Are they all kind of the same thing? Is there a line there? What do you think about that? Well, Does that make sense? I, yeah, I, I think so. It, I don't think there's anything wrong. I, I, I doubt that I'd ever say there's anything wrong with saying, you know, I believe that the Lord has asked me to do this. And mm-hmm. so in respect to him and to honor him, I'm going to be obedient uh, to right. him. And certainly there's like a part of that, you know, that goes down in, you know, generosity to your local church. I mean, mm-hmm. I've Christina and I, and, and I've, I was tithing before we got married, and we've always, at the very minimum, tithed, you know, ever since then. Mm. And, um, you know, obviously I'm tithing to the very church that I, you know, belong to. Right. Um, but as I, you know, when you when you give to your local church in that kind of way, you know, there are times where it's like, man, I hope they make good decisions with this. Mm. You yeah. know, I hope that they really lead well and that they don't, you know, spend frivolously and, but you have, you kind of just let it go too. You know, it's like, there's no strings attached. This is not like now you owe me, you know, kind of thing. You just are letting it go. And it can be a little bit humbling Mm -hmm. and a little bit of a, like, like we said earlier, you're letting go of some control. Right. And, uh, but a way forward through that is a Lord, I'm, I'm honoring you. Yeah. with this you know like I, you are not holding me accountable for what happens to this from this mm-hmm. point forward i've done my due diligence enough to know that i think that this is a a biblical church that i can get behind 
Yeah. And so I'm going to release the funds and I'm trying to honor you, you know, with that. Yeah. So I I think that, you know, that attitude, at least from just the way you described it, it sounds good, fine to me, you know, to, yeah. to have that kind of perspective. Like I, I'm just, I, I'm to honor the Lord with my finances, mm-hmm. with the first fruits, you know, kind of thing. Right, right. I appreciate that answer too. And I ask that because I, I feel like I talk to people sometimes who maybe, maybe they're not part of our church, maybe they're part of another church and they actually have kind of inside their hearts, they have a hard time like getting to the point of actually giving to the church that they attend because they don't really believe like me in the mission that the church is on or the vision or like what the pastors are doing there. And so maybe they'll give to a different church like online or somewhere where they feel like they're getting fed more. Mm. So they'll, they'll, they'll say, I'm being generous to the church that I feel like feeds me rather than the church that I physically go to. I would, I would definitely like in that scenario, I would give caution to yeah. somebody because there's definitely always room for that kind of like above and beyond generosity, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, there's some dynamic, uh, ministry out there throughout the True. world that yeah. is so powerful that, you know, through the means of the internet, you know, the voice, their voices can get out there mm-hmm. and, um, their communication and their giftedness and their like spot onness mm. is just world class and yeah. so good and th- th- that'd be a beautiful thing to get behind it costs totally. them something to get that word mm. to you and so that that'd be a great thing to be able to support but i would say let that be a work of generosity above and beyond your local church uh, commitment because mm. chances are your local church isn't going to have as good a preaching as that and isn't going to have as dynamic of a ministry as that you live where you live you are where you are you know and and (laughs) where where you find fellowship and and where you find you know the pastor that uh, is going to help you through like emergencies in life Uh and where you find fellowship and and other believers in the body of christ and where you find people in your community that are able to receive counsel for the things they're going through in life and where the word of god is being proclaimed uh, in your community, I think that's where you want to, you know, first invest in, and then secondarily, uh, kind of go beyond that. Yeah. Which, you know, again, it goes back to the control issue because mm. if if a person, you know, that the second that you get in your mind, I am like the employer, mm. and I use this money right. to pay my employees. The second you have that in your mind, I mean, for one, I I don't know many pastors who would actually even want that money right you know most mm-hmm. guys would just say like look if that's the attitude of the heart then clearly you haven't been able to meet paul's requirement that you're a cheerful giver wow. yeah. so just you know hold on to it the lord's not broke the lord doesn't need your money he's he's good you know and will be fine and uh so you, you have to really get into your heart just that i think trust and uh f- to the lord a trust for others and not as much of a trust in yourself, in your own perspectives. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for talking about giving with a cheerful heart and attitude and and continuing to go back to generosity outside of just tithes. I feel like I keep asking about that, but thanks for kind of leaning into that a little bit. Yeah, I, I put it in the, in the last article that I wrote, but there's a classic little C.S. Lewis quote on this subject. And, you know, because... I, I do have a hard time. I, I, I really can't come to the place myself where I say, like, 
the tithe is hmm. is the New Testament concept that we cling to. Um, it yeah. looks to me like they gave above and beyond the tithe. Hmm. Uh, it looks like even the tithe in the Old Testament is a little bit of a misnomer hmm. that they probably gave more than a tenth, but that was also their nation. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. we have taxes, you know. Yeah. So, but C.S. Lewis, the way he said it is, he he said, "I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare." And that's really it, you yeah. know, because the Christian life mm-hmm. is about taking up our cross and you know following after the Lord. So. In general, you know, for me, I've always um, used for my own life and taught uh, as a guideline for others the concept of a tenth. And I know a lot of times when people are getting started, they have to start out underneath that because they just, their finances maybe aren't uh, in enough of a place of being in control. Maybe they're a little Mm -hmm. out of control and they're just not able to do that. But the second that you can get to that point then I think you have a little foundation to kind of go off of and maybe uh, venture into generosity beyond that. Well, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, maybe we can kind of move into the the third article a little bit, which is kind of like the how to build this into your life. And you even just talked about that a little bit by giving 10% as kind of like a good baseline or something to work up towards so you can kind of springboard off of that into more generosity. But Nate, do you kind of have some thoughts on how to develop generosity into your life yeah totally i mean in first uh, corinthians 16 there was a little financial aid package that paul was putting together for the church in jerusalem and so he told the corinthians you know i'm coming and uh, when i'm there this is how i want to you know receive that offering mm-hmm. and it's really cool because there was actually even like safety measures in place you know he wasn't just gonna like pressure everybody and he wasn't going to um travel with it by himself you know it was going to be like committed to certain people to be the ones to carry the money you know uh no like conflict of interest or you know that paul wasn't going to be put in an awkward position you know things like that yes wisdom but the four things that were there is that uh it was very personal he said each Mm -hmm. one of you you know so each individual in the church had to think about this and then they were to predetermine what they were going to give. He said, you know, as you're working, uh, yeah. put something aside and store it up. That was his, you know, process for them. So you decide, and then as you're working, you set that money aside. So, you know, um, this isn't going to be the kind of thing that, you know, during the fourth song of worship, all of a sudden you're like, oh, shoot, I got I to gotta write a check or I got to give. You know, you. This is something that you've thought about ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're a if you're married, you've talked about this with your spouse. You've you know thought about your finances. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is what we're gonna do in this next year. I know for for different people, you know, if you are in a kind of work where you take commission and your you know monthly right. salary is up and down, then you kind of have to figure out like, okay, how are we gonna do this? Is it just gonna be you know, a tenth of whatever comes in, or is there going to be a monthly number? If you have a regular set salary, then it's a little more constant, you know, maybe, or an hourly wage. You have to kind of talk it through, think about it, but you predetermine, is what Paul said. So that's helpful because, I mean, for one, it's not that you're, it's really hard to predetermine what you're going to give if you don't predetermine how you're going to spend. So it's kind of like uh Paul is helping us just kind of build a budget. Right. 
stick to that budget and plan. And then he said, it's proportional. He says, as you may prosper. So, um, you know, let's say somebody makes $10,000 in a month and they, you know, take a look at what they can do. Um, they're obviously going to be able to financially give more than someone who makes a thousand dollars in a month. But the beautiful thing about the Lord is that he looked at the widow with the two mites and she gave everything that she had. And he Mm. said, she gave more than all of, all of the others who were coming, giving their, you know, incredibly huge offerings and all of that. So the Lord, he sees that proportional style of giving. He sees like, okay, cool. You know, like you couldn't necessarily, like nobody's going to make a placard and put your name on the side of the building, you know, or or something like that. Like, because you just, you don't have much to begin with, but the Lord looks at it and he sees that beautiful thing, you know, where, I mean, I remember being younger and, you know, when I'm making like 400 bucks a month or something (laughs) like that, you know, and you're, you're sitting there going like, what is my $40 tithe going to do? You know, this isn't really going to be felt or known or, or make a big difference or an impact, but that doesn't matter. Mm. It's just, you know, before the Lord, he sees that and, you know, he rejoices over it, you know, so don't stress about the bottom line of it. Just stress or think about, you know, proportionally, what can Mm. I give, you know, and certainly, some people obviously could get to a place financially where it's like to give a tenth, it's like you don't even miss that. It's just yeah, not even right. a, a sacrificial thing at all. And that's where the C.S. Lewis kind of concept comes yeah. in. You know, the New Testament asks us to give more than we could afford. And then finally, Paul said, um, you know, do it ahead of time so that there will be no collecting when I come. Mm. And what that indicates to us is that Paul would have totally hated any pressure whatsoever being put upon people. I mean, and I I say that cautiously because in two letters he wrote to the Corinthian church about ponying up, (laughs) all right? So (laughs) it's not like he's afraid of the subject or unwilling to like talk to them frankly about it, but part of the letter writing thing was so that he could just give them the truth about it. Hmm. And then, you know, it's kind of like he's saying, but I don't want to be involved in the actual process of you going through with this. You're either going to do it or not do it. It's on you now. I've explained to you the Bible. I've explained to you the need. And now I'm just going to leave it, you know, with you guys. And so, you know, like the concept of, you know, come forward and give your offering, you know, like the the Lord's not into that, you know, that kind of like receiving glory for, Mm. um, your generosity. The Lord's, the Lord's not into that. I mean, that's what really got Ananias and Sapphira into trouble. Like we talked about, you know, in Acts five. So, um, you know, it would be a pressureless kind of experience. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, your heart has to be into it, Mm. you know? And uh, when I wrote these articles, I was just hoping to uh, help, you know, some people who um, just needed like a perspective totally. about it. Um, but I mean, I'm not writing from a position of our church being in any kind of need at all. Mm. The Lord's blessed us and taken care of us, and yeah, amen. you know, we're provided for. And um, I'm not writing from you know some kind of perspective of like oh, man, there's some things I want to accomplish in ministry, you know, that we just can't afford right now or something like that. 
Uh, that is not in my heart at all. I'm probably thinking mostly about um, all, young men and young mm-hmm. women too who are just kind of getting started in their lives with the yeah. Lord. I mean, the last thing I want to do is really wrangle with someone who's been in Christ for 30 years and, and just doesn't want to give. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not really, yeah. you know, that's not really what I'm out to help someone uh, through. But just getting started in the Christian life as you're trying to process all this stuff, give, man. Mm. It's such a blessing. Yeah. You will never outgive God. You just won't. You're going to watch him supernaturally take care of you in some really uh, cool ways. So, um, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to pressure even one person into it. I just wanted to, you know, in the articles, throw out a lot of different scriptures to just kind of try to build a case for yeah. it. And this is a great thing to be able to be a part of. This is a, this is a beautiful way where the kingdom touches reality. You know, yeah. because it's easy for us to, you know, talk about all the esoteric, you know, invisible things. But it's like, well, here's the money. Yeah, you know, right. this is yeah. real. This is getting real now. Totally. I even love that. I mean, the first sentence of your first article about this talks about how financial generosity builds trust within mm. a, a human. So I just love that. I think it's beautiful. It's a lot of stuff to really chew on and to think about. So thanks for laying that out. Nate, just kind of wrapping up this conversation, is there anything else that's on your heart to share about generosity, anything about tithing that you'd like to leave us with? I know you've already said it quite a bit, but... Yeah, this has been a been a long one and, and good to kind of think about with you. You know, I, I think that one of the greatest things, Riley, that comes from our lives when we practice uh, financial generosity is we, we gain a contentment mm. with what yeah. we have and living more within our means and and that's really one of the great secrets you know to life yeah and really is a great secret to long-term financial success anyways Mm -hmm. so um i just i i so encourage you uh, as a listener you know to uh you know take a look at your finances and pray about it bring it before the lord and be as generous as you uh, possibly can Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to read some more articles from Pastor Nate, you can always go to nateholdridge.com and browse through all the archives. Everything's there. And if you'd like to have his articles sent to your email on a weekly basis, you can also sign up for that at nateholdridge.com. And while you're online, please share this podcast with a friend. We would greatly appreciate that. And also, stay tuned for another episode next week. But until then... God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.